You're listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church. One of the concerns that I've had through the turmoil of the, um, of the pandemic and also, obviously, our national election is its ability to distract us from our focus on our relationship with Jesus in the kingdom of God. And um, so I've got three verses I want us to look at this morning, which are actually two separate parables about the kingdom. I want us to take a good look at it because um, I think it will help us bring things into focus. And so why don't we read together Matthew thirteen forty four through 46. Everybody... Ready to do that? Wave at me or shake your head or do something. Okay, good, good. Ready? Heaven's kingdom realm, that's the kingdom of God. You ready? Heaven's kingdom realm can be illustrated like this. A person discovered that there was hidden treasure in a field. Upon finding it, he hid it again. Because of uncovering such treasure, he was overjoyed and sold all that he possessed to buy the entire field just so he could have the treasure. And then verse 45, heaven's kingdom realm is also like a jeweled, a jewel merchant in search of rare pearls. When he discovered one very precious and exquisite pearl, he immediately gave up all he had in exchange for it. And so, looking at these two parables, verse 44, we're going to look at the first one. We can understand these two short parables really in different ways. And each way is very meaningful. So we're going to take a look maybe at several different meanings. But they're illustrated illustrations of the kingdom of God that Jesus came to inaugurate the kingdom of God, exhorted us to participate in, and pray for its continued expression in our lives and through us into the world. So Jesus taught us to pray how? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so when we look at this first short parable, verse 44, there are at least five specific elements or things to consider in the verse. There's the person who discovers something. There is what he found, that hidden treasure. There's how much he values what he found. And there's the place where he finds it. And then there's the attitude that person had when he found it. So we're going to take a look at a couple of these. So one way we can look at verse 44 is that you and I, we are the treasure hidden in the field. And what's What is the field? What would you think the field would be? The field is the world. Jesus is the person who discovered this treasure, but he couldn't own it without purchasing the field. And 1 Corinthians 6.20 actually says, For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So, we are the treasure. When's the last time you felt like treasure? Let me say that to you again. We are the treasure. You're treasured. You have 
great value. How many of us look at ourselves as being treasured? I wonder, I wonder. One of the easiest things to have is a low estimation of who you are, who each one of us is, to not feel treasured. But to be a full participant of the kingdom of God, an accurate perspective of who you are is you're treasured. You're, you're valued. You're valued to the degree that the Bible tells us Jesus paid um, a significant price. We find that, like I said, in 1 Corinthians 6. Well, then there's a person's response in finding treasure and buying the field. So what was his response when he found it? Joy. So much joy that he was overjoyed to sell all that he had to purchase it. One of the things I realize is there's so much that goes on in our minds. And so much of it is static. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so much of it is um, inaccurate. The accurate thought process that all of us should have, whether we're believers or not, because it doesn't start after we're believers, is that God treasures us, and he was absolutely, Jesus himself was absolutely overjoyed to do whatever he needed to do to restore us, to make us whole. Um, it's called salvation, to save us, but that word's been lost. But it really has to do with to be reconciled to God and to be restored um, in, in, a, in a true way. He was overjoyed. Now, I think there's another way to look at this parable. Others have looked at it. Others have not thought this was exactly right, but I think it's worth talking about because I think there can be different layers to some of these um, parables. And the interesting thing is Jesus did not explain many of them, did he? He sort of left it to us to pray through, think through, and see what he was saying. But we are that person who discovered that treasure. Have you ever thought about it that way? That treasure is Jesus in the kingdom of God. And the gospel of the kingdom is of such high value that when we see the value of Jesus, we're overjoyed. When we see the goodness of God, now, now here's an interesting thing I'm going to say, and don't misunderstand me. We're willing to pay any price, go anywhere, do anything to have it, to live it, or to show it to the world. Now, we don't earn it. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But the scripture does say this. It says, buy the truth and sell it not. So grace is free. We have this free gift of God. But the truth cost us in that the things that you believe put you in a certain mental disposition or things you believe can cost you with some of your friends. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it, it cost us something. It, it, you know... The reality of the gospel of the kingdom is this. Jesus is Lord. And what that means is he has jurisdiction over every aspect of our lives. That's what it really is to be a disciple. 
You know, Jesus said, go into all the world and witness to everybody and get them converted. No. He said, make disciples. Make um, interns. Jesus wants interns. Jesus wants people that will follow him in the sense that their lives are submitted to his and they begin to do the very things that Jesus does. So, willing to pay any price, go anywhere, do anything to have it, live it, show it to the world. And I think so many people have lost that aspect of being a believer in Jesus. And I think a lot of it has to do with the distraction, the confusion, and the static that we're bombarded with. Now, some of that we volunteer for. How many of you know what I'm talking about? How many of you got up this morning, don't raise your hands, and the first thing you did was read the Bible, or you went to your phone and looked up something on uh, uh, Squat Maker or something? I've just made that one up. I don't think there's a real, but... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway. There's another one I really want to say, and it would really be funny, but I would really get in a lot of trouble. But um, it rhymes with claptrap. Anyway, you, <laughs> you looked at your social media before you looked at your scripture. Now, is that legalism? Well, I guess it could be. Or is it wisdom? I guess it could be. You, you know... The difference in, in, in um, legalism and wisdom is a hard attitude, right? It's a perspective a lot of times. Um, yeah. People that are hungry eat. People that are thirsty for something beyond the dopamine-inducing media world. I'll tell you, there's another place to find it. And it's in the scripture with the spirit of God's impartation connected to it. We know it can be the dead letter of the word, but it doesn't have to be the dead letter of the word. It can be living words spoken to your heart, warm devotional heart. So paying any price, doing anything to have it. Now, if... Um, Jesus and the gospel were the treasure. How do we say that it was hidden? Well, I think it's hidden in that to many, it doesn't appear to be of any value. Jesus doesn't have a value to people. How many of you are aware of that? The gospel, the good news. The reality of the kingdom of God doesn't have a value. It's hidden that way. But how is it that faith in, trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Son of God, whose death was so shameful, how can that be of infinite value to someone? But it is. The Bible says the gospel is the, what is it, the, Method of salvation to everyone who believes. But it's of infinite value. It has the capacity to restore and save us like body, soul, 
and spirit. But that truth is still hidden to many. I think it's hidden even to some who have actually believed but have never seen the full value. Some have walked away. They didn't see the value. Or maybe they've been distracted by other things or by anxiety or loss of vision or fear or disappointment. But every one of those things, listen to me, every one of those things are enemies to to us when it comes to loving God and serving God and respecting and honoring God. Nevertheless, Jesus' value and the significance of the kingdom remain. And both of them are free to anyone who truly believes and trusts. So I wanted to look also at the, uh, the second parable. Particularly, I want to look at the, the um, idea behind that pearl of great price. Someone who's with me here say pearl of great price. Yeah, I wonder why it wasn't diamond or I wonder why it wasn't ruby or, or, or something gold. But no, it was a pearl. And I think there's a significance here. And so we see once again, verse 45 and 46, if it's still up there, that heaven's kingdom realm is also like a jewel merchant in search of rare pearls. When he discovered one very precious and exquisite pearl, he immediately gave up all he had in exchange for it. So this parable to me is so interesting. In the first one, it's almost like the person described stumbled upon a treasure in someone else's field and bought that field to get that treasure. It's unlikely he just stumbled. He might have been looking for it, but he was trespassing, right? Somebody else's field. But in the second one, there was a merchant of precious jewels. And what was he doing? He was in in search of valuable pearls, who found a pearl of such great value that he sold everything he had in exchange for it. So in this parable, we see Jesus as the merchant, but he's a merchant in pursuit. How many of you realize that any relationship you have with the Lord It's a result of his pursuit. That makes a huge difference in our perspective. You know, we say, we found the Lord. Well, you wouldn't have found him if you wanted to hide, I'll tell you that. But we did find him. We have found him. We have had this experience. But the reality of it is, we we see in the first parable um, that we're considered treasure. We see in the second parable that someone pursued us. I, th- I just want that to touch us. Jesus came after me. He came after you. So we can see that Jesus is the merchant, and we are not just a pearl and not just an exquisite pearl, but a very precious and exquisite pearl. So Jesus is the merchant has determined our value, and he's after us. That's what it says in Psalm 23. Surely good and mercy shall do what? Follow me. He's after us, always after us in goodness and mercy. Now, I'm intrigued by why Jesus used the pearl. Actually, I just remembered. I have it in my pocket here. 
I know you can't see that, but just imagine you can see that. That's a pearl. I mean, you can't see that, but trust me, that's a pearl. And um, guess where that pearl came from? It came from an oyster. It was an oyster I was eating. So twice in my life, I have found oysters in fried oysters. Anybody else done that? I wonder if that's rare. Or anybody in here ever found an oyster in your, a pearl, I mean, in your oyster? Yeah, we have a couple of interesting. So I, I thought about it. It just, was just not too many weeks ago. Um, and it reminded me of what I have learned about pearls and why Jesus uses the term pearl of great price here. Um, and actually, the process of how a pearl is made, it's a picture of what may be happening in our own lives even as I speak. So here's what I know about pearls. And let me know by either praise or moans if I'm describing your life, okay? But pearls are the only organically made precious jewel. They're formed in an oyster in response to irritation or pain to its flesh, usually in the form of a piece of sand that lodges between the oyster and the inside of the shell. Okay. The oyster has no way to get rid of the irritant. How many of us have experienced something we can't get away from? Let me, let me tell you a wonderful but horrible secret. Until you have been through something you can't avoid that you really don't like, you have not discovered things about the Lord you need to discover. And you have not discovered things about yourself you need to, to discover. Is everybody excited about this right now? But, but there are opportunities to develop something inwardly that you cannot develop any other way. How many of you are listening to that? There's no other way. I can remember I sold restaurant equipment for uh, over 20 years. And the, the owner of one of my companies, I, was, I knew his wife and I knew his daughter. And one day his, uh, the owner's wife said to me, Robin, I grew up having everything I wanted. Matter of fact, there was never an episode in my life where if I didn't like what was going on, I could walk away or I could change it. She said, until I got pregnant. And she said, when I was having the baby, it was the first time in my life I couldn't walk away from something I didn't want to go through. And so when her birth pains began and her, um, she was beginning to go through the delivery process, she said almost out loud, I'm not doing this. Think, think about that. She said, I'm not doing this. But no, she was. And there was no way, there was only one way, and it was through. Through. How many of you know we're in a season like that right now? 
It doesn't matter how much you squawk and scream. It doesn't matter what you think about society. It doesn't even matter, except that it'll affect you. But it doesn't even matter what you think about the Lord. We got stuff going on we can't change. And we got it every day. And when we get up, there it is. And when we go to bed, there it is. And when we dream, it might be there in your dreams. I don't know. But this is an opportunity to develop an aspect of who you are that could equal the beauty of that pearl if you know how to deal with it. You listen to me? Let me, let me tell you a little bit more. Can't get rid of it. When the oyster feels the painful irritant, its responses produce a substance called, I believe it's called necra, N-A-C-R-E. And it's like mother of pearl. And to separate itself from the irritant, it produces this substance. Now listen to me. Layer after layer that eventually becomes the pearl. Now, and this will be meaningful. The entire process and the pearl is formed in secret. Well, what's my application? Well, just think about it. I'm not sure. And we, we need to understand. Let, let, me, let me tell you this. One of the keys to being understood is to realize that there's no one in the world who will fully understand you. God will. But I'm not sure any one of us can entirely understand what someone else goes through. This stuff happens where? In secret, inwardly. We all have that private place of suffering or difficulty that no one can avoid or fully reveal to another person. But listen, God knows, and he really can do something about it that no human can even touch. So the oyster is a living organism that creates a precious pearl because it has a pain or an irritation it can't get rid of. But the process is gradual, even tedious process that produces a pearl of great price. Wouldn't it be wonderful if I just said, hey, put faith in Jesus and you'll skate right through. I I would, number one, I would be lying and I would be doing you a huge disservice but would also be doing you a disservice to tell you that things never change. Everything has a completion date on it. All of this going on right now in society and the pandemic, it all has an expiration date. But you're in it. You have to make the very, the very best of it. Listen, some of those single pearls are worth $200,000. Can you imagine? What if we compared our life to that pearl and we realized that something can go on in our hearts right now, the way we relate to one another, the way we relate to the Lord? If we can press into a place where the kindness of God comes out of us as we realize, hey, a lot of times we're not that way. Um, but we have to think about this. The only way the pearl can be revealed to the world requires the oyster to die. 
So there are aspects of the beauty and the grace of God that can only be revealed in and through our lives if we die to ourselves, if we trust God, if we live by faith. Is this encouraging or not? I'm just wondering. I think um, it, it, it is an encouragement, though, if we can see it. So looking at that parable, interesting enough, I think Jesus can be considered both the pearl and the merchant. He's the pearl of great price, and he's also the merchant who gave up everything to own it. Like the oyster who gave its life so the pearl could be revealed, Jesus suffered, gave up his life so that the pearl of the kingdom, the pearl of salvation, the pearl of reality uh, of a relationship with Jesus could be revealed. Now, I want to shift gears a little bit. And, and this, there's a remarkable story in the Old Testament. It's in 1 Samuel um, chapter 1, and I'm not going to read it. I may read one verse, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about this story. How many of you have ever heard of Samuel the prophet? Yeah, he was one of the um, most amazing of all the prophets in, in the Old Testament. Um, but here's the story of how he was born. There was a man named Elkanah who had two wives, one named Hannah and the other one named Penina. Penina had several children. Ham, Hannah was barren, but she greatly desired a child. But Penina continually provoked Hannah because she had no children. Actually, 1 Samuel 1.6 says, Penina was her rival and also provoked Hannah severely to make her miserable. Think about that relationship. Think about that situation. You're barren. You want a child. I don't understand this about multiple wives. It just is what it is. But there's a spiritual, great spiritual picture here. Penina had several children, and she put it to Hannah every chance she got. Made her miserable, severely provoked her. Continual irritant. The sand in Hannah's oyster. So Hannah's barrenness and Penina's continual provocation became so painful that Hannah cried out to the Lord and he told him if he would give her a child, she would surrender him to the Lord. I want you to say that one word and think about it, surrender. Surrender, because I believe one of the things the Lord's after in these days for us is a surrender to him. And not many of us like that. We want to stay in control. But she said, I'll surrender him to the Lord. Actually, literally Gave him up, gave him to the priesthood. Anyway, that's a different story. So the Lord answered her prayer. She had a son named Samuel, and Samuel became a great prophet who turned the nation back to God, had a tremendous influence over millions of people's lives for over 40 years in Israel. But I want to go back to this idea of the pearl. Penina's name means pearl. And Hannah's name means grace. But the problem was, Penina, the one whose name speaks of rightly dealing with pain and irritation and frustration, demonstrated the exact opposite nature. 
She became the sand. She became the pain. She became the irritant, the injury in Hannah's life, just like that oyster. Now, one of the marvelous things was, by type, Hannah, or Penina meaning pearl, should have been the very opposite of that way. She should have been full of concern and grace for Hannah, but she wasn't. She lived opposite of her calling, opposite of her name. And my concern is that during this painful, difficult season, we can allow our circumstances to cause us to lose sight of who we are. How many of you have seen that? We can lose sight of who we are, what our calling is, so that we become the very opposite kind of people we've been called to be. Instead of creating a beautiful pearl from our circumstance, we add pain to other people. We add pain to an already painful time of life. I've had people uh, ask me why I haven't talked about politics and the election. And we, we basically don't, we don't do that here much. But we have our reasons. One reason I've elected not to be vocal is that I don't want Queen City Church to be a place that polarizes people. You know, we have people that believe a lot of different things. And you, you have, you have a right to. Each of us has a right to vote our conscience, and that's what we should. But we can easily alienate people that we can help spiritually by alienating them politically, and I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. I want to help somebody. Um, Social media has become such a toxic place. And I, I think it's not even arguable. It's not a place for meaningful conversation. The anger, the hostility. And I don't think people change their minds based on, how do you say it, memes and reactions. Honestly, they just further polarize people. How many of you know what I'm talking about? They just make it worse. Now, you're free to do that. I'm You're free to do that. But I'm trying to help somebody. I'm trying to do what I can do and Queen City Church do what we can do for people's spiritual lives to make a difference in them. And that's 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 what we're called to. I don't want to make an already difficult situation even more difficult. I have worked with a guy. I have worked with people. And honest to goodness, they, they, were, they just had a mean streak. You know anybody with a mean streak? And, and they would make things hard that did not need to be hard. And I would wonder, why, why would you do that? Why, why would you make things more difficult than they already are? It's just me. It's just, it's, but I do think, I think of the words of Paul. Who was, how many of you believe Paul was influenced by Jesus? Sure he was. 1 Corinthians 13, I read this last week. Never let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth. That's, that's pretty straightforward. Never. How frequently should you let ugly or hateful words come from your mouth? Never. But let your words become beautiful gifts that encourage others. Do this by speaking words of grace to help them. 
The Holy Spirit of God has sealed you in Jesus Christ until you experience your full salvation. So never grieve the Spirit of God or take for granted his holy influence in your life. Lay aside bitter words, temper tantrums, revenge, profanity, and insults. But instead, be kind and affectionate toward one another. Has God graciously forgiven you? That's a question. He's asking us a question. Has God graciously forgiven you? Then graciously forgive one another in the depths of Christ's love. No, that was actually not 1 Corinthians 13. That was Ephesians 4. 1 Corinthians 13 is the love, has that love section in it. I thought about this. Um, how will they know we're Christians, does the Bible say? By our, by our love. By our love. They will see the way we relate to other people, Christian, non-Christian. Actually, uh, in the New Testament days, um, when people had babies they didn't want, they would put them out. You know who would pick them up? Christians. It was a well-known fact that Christians would pick up babies they found and raise them because something had happened in their hearts towards humanity. Jesus touched them. They became different. They became other. They became something unique, something new, something they demonstrated the reality that they knew they were an exquisite and precious person, as were others. But love is large and incredibly patient, it says. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous. When blessing comes to someone else, love does not brag about one's achievements nor inflates its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect. Good night. Put that out. Does not traffic by shaming and disrespecting people, nor selfishly seeks its own honor. How many? I'm sort of convicted. Anybody else convicted just a little bit? Love is not easily irritated. Oh, wait a minute. Or quick to take an offense. Love joyfully celebrates honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never, love never takes failures to defeat for it never gives up and never stops loving. So, do you have any pain in your oyster? Yes, come on. What do you do about it? Well, I have some suggestions. Surrender your life to God and trust him with every outcome. Number two, search for the best in your life and around you and practice thanksgiving. Number three, let go of control. Number four, cease from anxiety. It only makes things worse. And give the Lord your future. How many of you know these things are hard to do? They are hard to do. But I believe the Lord wants to to help us do them. So, thank you, Lord. Lord, we do love you today. And we... 
ask that by your spirit, you would, you would strengthen us. You would, Lord, I'm asking for today and in the weeks and months to come a great outpouring of your joy because we read in Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is our strength. For the kingdom of God, the one I'm talking about, Lord, you said, is righteousness, peace, and what? Joy in the Holy Spirit. So, Father, we just ask you this morning that you release to us um, the reality of your kindness, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would wash away. Lord, that you would show us ways to reduce the static, the confusion on the airwaves of our hearts and minds that comes through. We ask you to bless this nation, Father, in Jesus' Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Mm. Amen. Why don't you, uh, with permission and with people who don't have COVID, reach over and bless them. Ask them first if you can just pray a blessing over them. (laughs) So, Father, we do. We just pray a blessing over one another. Lord, help us. Everywhere you spoke to us this morning, help us. We love you, Lord. We're grateful for you. Thank you so much for who you are. You said we could lay hands on people and impart a blessing to them. So we do. We do. We speak grace and peace. We speak uh, health and healing. Um, In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks, folks. Thanks for being here. Have a great week. You've been listening to the Queen City Church Sermon of the Week. For more information on this message and other resources, visit queencity.church.